Welcome to Luke 21 Radio, a broadcast explaining biblical prophecy in the tradition of St. Augustine. And now, from Greenville, South Carolina, here's your host, Steve Wood. Hello, this is Steve Wood, and welcome to Luke 21 Radio. We're going to do a second lesson in Jesus's letter to the Catholic Church in Sardis. Sardis is the fifth of the seven churches in Revelation chapter 2 and chapter 3. And we saw last time that the church of Sardis, even though it was only a few decades old, was already spiritually dead. They thought quite highly of themselves in Revelation 3.1. It says, you have a name of being alive and you are dead. This is Jesus speaking. And you know, our opinion of ourselves, of the state of our church today or in any day, may be quite high, but do we ever pause and say, Jesus, what's your analysis of our spiritual condition? And it wasn't good. They were dead. They were in a spiritual coma. And so, Twice you find in the next verse and the verse after that, Revelation 3, verses 2 and 3, Jesus says, awake, wake up. And this verb is often used in prophecy to call believers to spiritual watchfulness in order to be prepared for Christ's return. He says in the next verse, if you will not awake, I will come like a thief. Now, this verb, awake, particularly in the context of Christ coming like a thief, this is language that is very commonly used in prophetic scriptures. Jesus' own teaching on the end in Matthew 24, he says, watch, the same verb as to awake in Revelation 3.2 and 3.3, watch for you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. But know this, if the householder had known what part of the night the thief was coming, remember Revelation 3.3, if you will not awake, I will come like a thief. And he says he would have watched if he knew what part of the night the thief was coming, and the house would not have been broken into. Then Jesus says, therefore, you must be ready for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Then in St. Paul's letter to the Thessalonians, the one we started as we began this series of broadcasts, 1 Thessalonians 5.2 and 5.6, for you yourselves know well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. Again, I refer you back to Revelation 3.3, I will come like a thief. Verse 6 of 1 Thessalonians 5, so then let us not sleep as others do, but let us keep awake and be sober. That verb keep awake is the exact same verb used in Matthew 24, in 1 Thessalonians 5, and Revelation 3. And remember, I'm saying this is language that's used very commonly in prophetic scriptures. The Sermon on the Olivet Discourse on the End Times, Paul's letters on the End Times in 1 Thessalonians 5, and then in the same book here, in Revelation chapter 16, listen to this carefully. 
Lo, I am coming like a thief. Blessed is he who is awake. Again, the exact same verb. Keeping his garments that he may not go naked and be exposed. What does Jesus say in Revelation chapter 3 and verse 5? He who conquers shall be thus clad in white garments. White garments, coming like a thief, watchfulness, being ready. Now, what is being discussed here? I could have very easily had uh, kind of skated right past a, a fairly significant difficulty that commentators on Revelation chapter 3 recognize. And here, here's the big question. Is Revelation 3.3, 3, when Jesus says, if you will not awake, I will come like a thief, it's very clearly using language that's used in biblical prophecy. Is Jesus talking about that coming, coming like a thief, is he talking about the second coming? Or is Jesus talking about some other type of coming in judgment before the second coming? Now, that question opens up the big question on how do you interpret the book of Revelation? And the same with how do you interpret the gospels and Jesus's teaching about the end? There are well, there's actually several schools, but I'm going to try to simplify it. There's the historical view that both Revelation 3, which we're studying today, as well as what Jesus was talking about in Matthew 24, is something that would happen in the first century. It was historical. That's called the preterist view. The other view is called the futurist. In other words, this scripture would be talking about the end end times. And the fact that the vocabulary used in Revelation 3 is so clear about the end, it seems to be talking about the end, and yet Jesus is talking about a specific historical church at a very particular time during the first century. Now, I'll tell you where I come out on this, and I'm basically following Dr. Beale and his commentary on Revelation, which... uh, I have very high regard for. I'm also following St. Augustine, who you know I have a very high regard for, as well as Pope Benedict. But it's this. I believe that Revelation 3 is talking about a historical situation using language of the second coming. Now, I'm not speaking out of both sides of my mouth. Let me give you the words of Dr. Beale himself. This coming in history is connected to the final coming in that both are part of the same end-time process. The distinction lies in the fact that the final coming is the conclusion of the process begun at the resurrection. The repeated references to the coming in the letters, that is, the seven letters in Revelation, are ambiguous. The ambiguity may, in fact, be intentional in order to heighten the element of eminence so that the readers will sense the urgency. You see, part of the problem in in Sardis is that these people were asleep. That's why Jesus twice has to say, wake up. And that's why Jesus explicitly in the Gospels, and I could have given you even more uh, Bible references where this same verb is used by Jesus to tell believers to keep alert, keep awake. So 
One of the more difficult things in interpreting prophecy is maintaining a, a balance. And that balance is that some people would take who are preterists, and, and I just gave you a preterist understanding of Revelation 3, but yet I connected it through Dr. Beale's research to the second coming. In other words, I'm not an extreme preterist, because if you could see this balance between a future interpretation of Revelation and a historical interpretation of Revelation as a seesaw. And I would dare say the seesaw tips uh, more towards the preterist historical view. In other words, the letter of Jesus to the church in Sardis, as well as all the seven letters, as well as the entire book of Revelation, has a fundamental historical rooted meaning. Uh, We know from the very first book of Revelation, it says the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show to his servants what must soon take place. So it's rooted. Now, here's my question. What happens to the church when you have a preterist-only view of Revelation and of prophetic scriptures in general? In other words, what if you lose sight of the futuristic? Dr. Beale, and what I've tried to do, probably not quite as, as uh, articulate fashion as he did, but trying to connect both the historical with the futurist. I think there's both going on here. That's why you use futurist language to talk to a historical situation in a church that's spiritually dead, and some of that futurist language was necessary to keep this church awake. But what happens if you just lose sight of the futuristic? And there's a a tendency here in that you have rather bright pastors and scripture scholars who recognize the preterist and see some of the wacko rapture at any moment type teaching and just kind of go to an extreme. So what happens when you have the extreme preterist? Well, we dealt with this question when we were studying Luke chapter 21, and I described extreme preterism as advent valium and prophetic tranquilizers. It's the opposite of prompting repentance that Jesus was calling for in Revelation 3. It's the opposite of a spiritual awakening. Honestly, what I thought of from the extreme preterism, don't worry about all this second coming stuff. I thought of the Billy Bass uh, singing fish back, I don't know, during the 80s. Don't worry, be happy. That what was going on in the church of Sardis. And I must say, and this is a very personal view, but I grew up in mainline Protestantism and now have been a Catholic for 27 years plus. And both my mainline Protestantism and Catholicism respected creeds, confessing the second coming in those creeds. But, you know, in both settings, there's a certain numbness to it. In fact, I never gave a second thought to the second coming until I hit the evangelical Protestant world who tended to take this seriously, that it had an impact on the way you live today because your view of the future affects how you live this afternoon, this very day. And what happened in Church of Sardis, they had lost sight of this. This is why Jesus was using the apocalyptic language to try to wake this church up that was spiritually dead. So, 
what's needed during Advent, and I dare say all year long in catechesis, is a bold, uncomplicated proclamation, wake up, be on the alert, repent, Jesus Christ is coming again. And I realize for some it's no longer intellectually respectable to make a big deal about the blunt reality that Christ will come again to judge the living and the dead. But it needs to be said explicitly, directly, boldly, and repeatedly. You know, twice in history, the city of Sardis fell. Because everybody in Sardis, the fortress was on a 1,500-foot plateau, so to speak, and everyone thought that the city was impregnable. So the watchmen just weren't on the alert. They, 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 they didn't warn the city that twice it had been conquered because the watchmen went to sleep. And what Jesus is trying to do here, and he's modeling something for us, and don't just say, well, that applies to people back then. Well, you know, if a church can go to spiritually being dead within a few decades, what about several centuries? Don't put ourselves outside of the condition that the church was Sardis was in. There is a necessary role for eschatology to assist the church and keeping awake to prophetic realities. We're to live our daily lives in light of the second coming of Jesus Christ. I'm Steve Wood, your host, and you've been listening to episode 71 of Luke 21 Radio. Luke 21 is a radio outreach of Family Life Center International. To learn more about biblical prophecy and to order copies of Luke 21 broadcasts, visit us online at luke21.com.